to your property podcast my name is michelle cairns and today is the 4th of november 2021 and with us we have got anki bell hi anki hi michelle how are you doing great thank you and great to have you with us today Um, it's great to be with you thank you so much for inviting me on Oh, it's an absolute pleasure and uh, it's been a pleasure to watch your successes and your journey throughout the past couple of years. Uh, you've been active on social media and very um, active within the property education community as well. And I know we've crossed paths a few times. So, um, you know, I really wanted to get you on because, you know, you're one of the, um, you know, one of the few people within the property industry who have just you know had such determination to go from the traditional buy to lets um, and actually make something really quite spectacular within the portfolio and go big I want to say yeah. <laughs> um, I think I've, I've watched you speak a few times and what's always impressed me is is that you're always looking for the next level what's possible what the potential is within property but also within yourself so looking forward to getting into that um but first of all for people who don't know about you what you do um do you want to just give us a, an overview and uh, how you got into property okay um so yes i'm originally from south africa i came over to the uk permanently in 2001 um i'm married to jamie who is a brit and we live in north nottinghamshire um i have four children One is now at university, our oldest, and then our youngest is nine. So life is still quite busy with kids and all their activities and things. And uh, really, as Michelle said, yeah, we started with Buy to Let's back in 2006. So that's like 15 years ago. Uh, We started in... um, very, very cheap areas at the time. So parts of Glasgow in Scotland, Grimsby, and we purchased houses. We did some property training back in 2006 when things were very, very different um, in terms of finance and property prices and well, just the whole landscape of property investing. But we started then with buy to lets. When the market crashed in 08, we got cold feet, exited um, the market as investors. We just kept what we had because we were in negative equity. We had no choice but to keep what we had. And then we went and pursued different things, my husband and I. And in 2014, we decided to just dip our foot in buy to lets again. Uh, We were doing it the traditional way. So we were buying houses with savings and then saved up again to buy another buy to let. But in 2017, I started attending property networking events and went for further training and then learned about multi-lets and realized we could create some of our own buy-to-let homes into minimos, which was what we did. So they are small HMOs or small shared houses. And we did that and then progressed on to more training, learned about further more specialized strategies and then went for larger projects Uh, we did a pub conversion into four flats that have 14 rental units in we did a um, freehold block of flats with some commercial units downstairs that we also turned into flats so we purchased that on exchange delayed completion which was a great strategy to use while we added value 
And then in 2018, we found this unicorn project that is West Drayton Farm in North Nottinghamshire, uh, which is a large property on nearly 13 acres with an old farmhouse, some bedsits from stables that we have since turned into apartments and further units to convert and space to build. So uh, the vision with it was always to have it as holiday lets and we developed it out and we were operating it for about six months when COVID struck. Uh, so we were unable so far to do the rest of our developments. Um, we've done one small unit ourselves, which I can tell you about later. But um, yeah, so, so COVID had a really big impact on us in terms of our business, income, finance, structure of the business. Um, everything changed as a result of what happened in March 2020 and a lot of learning since then. But now, after a relatively good summer, we are looking towards recovery and looking towards hopefully doing the rest of the developments and refinancing then. Wow, what a journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a mouthful. <laughs> um, but what I like about your journey is the diversification as well. So it's not, and you know, there's nothing wrong with kind of picking one strategy and just going focusing on that and, and becoming you know a kind of master of that specific strategy yeah. um i also i'm curious as well how you have you know seemingly chose different types of strategies as projects and uh, you know each one has been kind of bigger than the last if you like yeah so um was that intentional did you intend to kind of experiment with different strategies um or was it just whatever came along at the time it was really about the deal and the property you know and um i think for example the initially the na the natural progression was going from buy to lets to small hmos to larger hmos which is what we did uh, by the time i found the pub conversion we had done about five hmo conversions of four to six bed HMOs, you know. Um, so it was kind of a natural progression going to a larger HMO development, if you will. But it was more the fact that it was a pub with planning permission to convert that attracted me. And I saw it on Rightmove for many months and it was too expensive for what it had planning for. It was just way too expensive. So I always sat and did the figures, looked at it on a monthly basis and thought, no, it's not going to work. But then I went to a three-day property event where I learned about a few more creative ways of looking at what you can do with a property. And lo and behold, the Monday after I'd been on that training, this property, the pub, had been reduced on right move by nearly 50,000 pounds. And I then called the agent and found out about the owner's personal circumstances. It was very ill health. They had to get rid of the property, which they had been operating as a pub up right. until the day we completed. They're in their 80s, but they were opening the pub every night for the community. Uh, they had no money coming in from it, really. It was more like a, a social responsibility, they felt, but they couldn't do it any longer. It wasn't sustainable, and they wanted to sell to be done with it, you know. So the figures worked a lot more with a reduction of that kind of amount, but also because I'd been on the training, I'd also learned some methods of looking at what could be changed because I thought when planning is planning is planning. So it's got planning for two one bed flats. That's all you can do with it. 
But then I'd learned, no, you can change the planning and you can work with creative strategies. So I had new eyes going and looking at that. And then I had that confidence for it, Michelle, you know. And then after that, the freehold block of flats with the commercial units downstairs. I mean, that one was just a no brainer. And it was, again, multiple units on the same property. And I think that was the strategy I was going for, whether it was an HMO block of flats, something like the farm. It was the fact that there are multiple units. Mm -hmm. So it's multi-lets in different guises, you know, so multi-lets yeah. as HMOs, multi-lets as units in a in flat self-contained flats or multi-lets as in holiday let units so for me i think the strategy has always been multi-lets right. and something you can add value to and then refinance at a later point with little or no money left in that was the goal right and uh i wanted to just go back to that particular deal you were talking about and uh, how you negotiated then so you said it was fifty thousand pound reduction what was the yeah. asking price originally then so originally the asking price was two three five, okay. uh, and then they'd reduced it to one eight five, and we ended up purchasing it for about one seventy. Okay. So yeah. how did um, your kind of enthusiasm <laughs> enthusiasm after coming off the course? How did that change the negotiation? And did you use anything creative when uh, when you purchased this one? Uh, we didn't actually, we didn't use any creative strategies when we purchased it. Uh, we just negotiated a, a lower price with them, which we already knew that it was a very, very good purchase price for the, the potential of the property. It was a very good purchase price for what we could get it for. Um, but then, you know, the fact that they were willing to give us a, an additional discount was was a bonus but no there was no creative finance strategy with this one okay um but i guess you know the the beauty of that is having those negotiation um you know things in mind you can just uh, yeah yeah absolutely. absolutely and it came later with the other deals yeah uh because the with a pub we had our own pot of investment funds you know that we were able to put into that but then when it came around to the block of flats, our funds were tied up in the pub then. So that was then when we had to get creative and we negotiated an exchange delayed completion with the owner of the flats. Um, and initially I wanted to do a purchase lease option with him, but he was not willing to do something that we could still walk away from later on. He wanted the certainty. So we did exchange delayed completion but that worked out fantastic because the bank gave us finance against the end value rather than the right. purchase price. So we ended up buying that property with only the funds that the refer cost in, in stuck in there. So it was wow. also a really, really good deal. That's very creative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that it, it was luckily our broker said, yeah, there are banks that will do that uh, because I didn't realize that you could actually finance on the day of purchase at the higher value yeah. of the you know your at your gdv effectively rather than your purchase price uh, but we found a lender that was willing to do that and a solicitor that got his head around how to do that kind of thing and how long was the uh, the delay in the completion it was a, the agreed delay was a year so mm -hmm. we entered into the edc agreement in july 2018 
we were meant to be finished in July 2019, but we weren't actually finished until sometime in August 2019. So we had to pay like the agreed penalty for those additional days. So in terms of the uh, added value then, so during that year you had key access presumably and, and what yeah. sort of value did you add? Well, we we actually converted the commercial units downstairs into flats, um, which we, you know, um, luckily we knew that we'd get planning because there was a precedent set because there's a there's a big risk with doing EDC and then doing work while you've exchanged. But we had the certainty that um, there were already several shops on the road had been turned into flats. So the precedent had been set. The planning was absolutely no problem. And the conversion was done really quickly. Uh, and we had taken over control of the building. So we were paying him. We were effectively doing a rent to rent within that year period where we were paying him a fixed rent every month. But we were already collecting the rent from the existing six units while we were converting the two downstairs units. And then at the time of completion, we then had the eight units rather than six units with two commercial downstairs. Wow, that sounds like, um, like as you say, a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See that you can add that kind of value and, and you've got the lenders and sisters on board, then um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, just a note on that one though, Michelle, because we, we originally had planned to do freehold to leasehold as a strategy with right. this building. And if this building was anywhere else, that would that would have worked really well. Um, but something I learned through that process was that the area is so important when you want to do freehold to leasehold. Um, because this, this building is in Rotherham, where the actual value of individual flats isn't high enough to have warranted the leasehold cost of creating eight leases. Yes. And then financing against them. So it's made sense for us and it still is making sense for us to keep it all just under one freehold umbrella and we haven't split it off. But if that building was in Leeds or Birmingham or Nottingham or anywhere else, it would have been a fantastic strategy. Yeah, it's an important point. I found that as well. I've done that twice where I've gone out kind of looking for that specific freehold to leasehold, gone ahead with the actual um, development and it just doesn't it doesn't stack to actually split them. But as you no. say, it doesn't matter as long as it stacks to keep it as one freehold. Yeah, yeah. And as long as you have that exit, that, yes. it, that it stacks that way, then absolutely, it's a no-brainer still. And I think for me, one of the preferred methods of having multi-lets would be a block of flats rather than an HMO. I would much rather the tenants are in their own self-contained individual units than to be in HMO rooms from a personal perspective of what I've learned about the strategies, you know, um, that would be my preference as a a multi-led strategy. And is that kind of looking back in hindsight, because obviously uh, HMOs have got higher cash flow potentially. Yeah. Um, So they are, uh, you know, essentially more work involved, more. more Yes. That's the thing. It's it gets you going, doesn't it, though? It gets you the portfolio coming in. Yeah, absolutely. It's higher cash flow, much bigger headache, much more work. Um, And again, it depends on the area because. our, our large HMO and our other HMOs, to be fair, are in smaller towns with blue collar distribution worker um, kind of tenants in, which is a very different market 
to what you get with people who have got the fabulous professional HMOs in London or Birmingham or the larger cities. It's a very, very different tenant market. And also because your entry point is a lot lower with property prices in some of these towns with the distribution centers, the market gets flooded. So when you do your research and you start converting your HMO, um, the, the room prices are incredible. By the time your HMO is finished, there might be an, an additional 10 HMOs in that town of 50,000 people yeah. and the <laughs> demand isn't there. So again, a big lesson for me that I've learned from HMOs is that your area is very, very important. Mm. And so what made you go in from, I know the strategy is multi-lets, but mm -hmm. the service accommodation model is very different from, investing in property and a HMO style yes. it's a very different um, setup and the organization that you need to you know the systems in place um, it's it's quite a shift so yes was it was it just the higher income that was appealing or was there anything else that um, made you think service accommodation is uh, is the way to go <laughs> No, we were not thinking service accommodation was the way to go at all. Uh, the only reason I came to look at West Drayton Farm was because it was the same agent um, and the same guy that we had bought the block of flats through. And we'd used him for several of our buy-to-let investments of single lets previously. And he told me to come and look at the farm. And to be honest, Michelle, I only came and look at it to get him off my back because he's a very persistent person who would keep calling you and bugging you until you've done something. So I only came and looked at the farm to keep him quiet, really. But then, gosh, after coming here, I was just in love with the place. And the initially, on paper, what happened with West Drayton Farm was that the previous owners had 11 units here that they were already renting out uh, to tenants. So they had 11 ASDs set up for these 11 various, various units that they had here. So we were effectively, in our mind, purchasing a property that had income already in place. And then we could, while that income was coming in, the plan was to then convert the farmhouse into the large holiday let and then let these other units go one at a time and convert them into holiday let so it was meant to be a smooth progression from an income generating property already to a different model and then progressing onto a different model if you know what I mean yeah. however when the surveyor came um, to value the property for the initial finance for purchasing it he established that none of the units that were rented out actually had the correct permissions and things in place to be able to rent them out. So one of the, um, what do you call it, conditions of the bank was then that all those people had to go. Oh, okay. So that changed things massively. And, you know, you don't know, maybe we should have walked away there. Yeah. Maybe we maybe we shouldn't have carried on with the deal, but we were so far in yeah. and the vendor, because they then downvalued what they were willing to lend us on it. Yes. So, but the vendor was willing because they were so ready to move on. She was then willing to give us vendor finance for the difference. Wow. Okay. Um, so we had a solution. Unfortunately, that solution cost more than the original plan and there was no recurring income coming in 
from existing tenants. Mm -hmm. So the deal very quickly looked very different to how it did initially, Um, but it was still worth doing. And I mean, you know, but it's a much, much longer term. Um, I think one of the biggest things I've learned from doing a development, even if there are some income elements already in place, is that it's going to take a lot longer. It's much more of a long-term game. You know, you're not going to see the cash flow initially. You're not going to see the income even remotely as close as you thought you were going to see the cash flow going one way and it's not coming in. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Flowing out. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you've had the challenge of COVID as well. Oh, yes. Whilst trying to deal with everything. Um, But it's interesting you say that it was still worth it. And I think that's really important that, you know, the property isn't always easy. It's not always straightforward. And there are plenty of these challenges, whether it's planning or builders or materials or whatever, or COVID. But, you know, what I hear consistently is it's still worth it. So where are you up to with this project now then? Um, So... I mean, we're not massively further along than what we were at the start of COVID because, to be fair, uh, the last nearly two years now uh, have been incredibly challenging. I I wouldn't um, ever want to go through that again, but the lessons we've learned, um, the knowledge we've gained about West Rayton Farm particularly has been invaluable and we would never have learned what we've learned about the property, the workings of the property, the the configuration of the buildings even if if we didn't come and spend the kind of time here that we have done you know um so we were meant to during 2020 we were meant to develop the three outbuildings out that we have planning permission for to do so so just as a as a basis first before i carry on with what we have and haven't done so what we've got here at the moment is a five-bedroom farmhouse that sleeps up to 16 guests. And we have four apartments that have been created out of converted stables that each sleep two to five guests. Okay, so that is the existing accommodation that we have. And it's generally rented out on weekends, mostly to groups of either multi-generational family groups or girl groups getting together or families having holidays together, et cetera. So that is what we have at the moment. Then we have further planning permission to turn three of our outbuildings into cottages. And we have planning permission to knock down an old barn and build a three bed and a four bed lodge on that footprint. So those those are an additional five units that we have planning to do. So we have since lockdown converted an additional one unit. Um, And that is what is called cattle beam cottage. Uh, And we've done that really to create owner's accommodation. Uh, It will eventually be guest accommodation, but we needed to create owner's accommodation for us to actually be in because we have a large Victorian house in Redford, our nearby town that's 10 minutes away. Uh, But we, during lockdown, converted that into a group holiday home as well because we realized when the staycation boom came after all the lockdowns that the demand, we knew the demand was massive for group houses because of the booking requests we were getting for the farmhouse. And we didn't have, you know, we had to turn people away. So we decided to convert our home into a group holiday let as well. And that meant that we had to move out of there. And we lived in a static caravan here at the farm. 
um, during the times when guests were allowed. The rest of the time we were in the farmhouse, but we then had to create somewhere for us to go when things returned back to normal. And I was, I had a very limited time span of what, how long I could live in a static caravan, Michelle, you know, so four or five months was kind of my limit. Yeah. Um, so we got quotes last November, beginning of December, we got quotes from builders for converting this small, cozy three bed cottage. And uh, the quotes were just not affordable. If you imagine, we've had no business since March 2020, apart from the odd contractor or NHS worker, we were not allowed to have any guests. Then for a short period in the summer of 2020, up until the rule of six um, lockdown started again. We were we were allowed to have guests for a short period, and then we were allowed to have no one again until May 17 this year. So talking about business income, there was none, right? So we had to do whatever we converted out of our own savings on a shoestring budget. Builders came in way too high. We just couldn't do it, couldn't afford it. So we did a lot of research and decided to do a lot of it ourselves. And we did, we did the insulation, the damp proofing, the flooring, building partition walls, installing certain items, some basic joinery. We did ourselves with our two teenage boys and some of their friends, which was an experience, I'll tell you. Uh, and then we got the specialist trades in for doing like the finishes, like the wood flooring, the kitchen plumbing and electrics, of course, and the plasterer. Um, so we ended up doing it for more than half less than what the lowest builder's quote was. Um, and I wouldn't advise anybody just does that willy-nilly, but we had to do it out of necessity. So this is the additional unit that we have created is Cattlebeam Cottage, which will eventually be guest accommodation. Okay, so, and you mentioned uh, about group uh, group visits and group houses. Yes. So um, do you want to tell us a bit more about why you've chosen that specific? It's quite niche really, isn't it? Look, just looking at groups and obviously you've got the space to do it, but yeah. um, I, I suppose some people might just have rented each unit out individually rather than to one large group. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so our apartments do get rented to individual um, contractors, especially during the week. But at the weekends, uh, we often rent out the farmhouse with the apartments together to groups and then also the Redford house. So the Redford house is a six bed Victorian house that sleeps like 12 to 14 guests. And then the farmhouse sleeps 16 with our additional apartments. And the reason we've done that is because there is a very, very big demand for group stays at weekends. Um, Multi-generational groups want to get together. They wanted to get together before COVID to celebrate mum's 70th or mum and dad's 25th wedding anniversary or the daughter's 40th or a group of families getting together. Before COVID, that demand was there. But since COVID, people are finding family time and social time with friends so much more precious than they ever did before. So people are wanting to create those memories. They are wanting to have those trips away. And we quickly realized just what a demand there is for groups to go together. We're very privileged with where we're located in the country that people love coming here because of how central we are to Scotland, to Wales, to the Northeast, to London, to the Southeast and Southwest. It's a great base for people to meet. Um, and yeah, we're, we're just working that strategy because it is very niche, 
but it is also very rewarding. Um, the only problem with it, if you were considering it as a strategy, is people book that for weekends. They don't generally book to go away as groups during the midweeks unless they are special interest groups or more for retreats. And that is now our second aspect with West Raiden Farm and the house in Redford is to offer out the midweek times for people to come and have retreats here, whether it's property people with seminars or coaching, or whether it's coaches and therapists or people offering some kind of group training, photography, bird watching, walkers, whoever they are, uh, we're working with people and talking to people constantly about using this space for that fitness people with boot camps, etc. You know, so that's kind of the mix of the model now is it's group houses for general guests at the weekend and then more retreats and special interest groups for the midweeks okay so and the retreats sound like they you know uh, you can appeal to a lot as you said you know boot camps or property investors yeah. um so that sounds ideal then that you've got that scope of people to appeal to um, yes and is there a, do you find that people come for a particular amount uh, length of stay or are they just wanting these retreats for one or two days or will they actually book for the full Monday to Friday? Um, it really depends on the group and on their program and their itinerary. So some groups are interested in just having a one night, uh, which they would then have from the morning to the evening of the following day. So effectively, it is like a two day stay. Um, and that would be for people who are coming for a shorter program with some relaxation time in between. And then some of the other groups are coming Monday to Friday. But generally, it is a two night stay that most people are wanting, you know, and especially some of the stuff that I'm focusing on uh, would be to work with young moms who are in property, because I have a lot of experience with that, having raised my kids whilst being a property investor. My husband worked away Monday to Friday up until COVID. So it was very challenging. I know a lot about that. I can encourage a lot of young moms in property or wanting to get into property. And those kind of retreats would be a night or two nights, purely because those moms have to get back to those kiddies right they can't get away monday to friday so it really depends on the group um, and what exactly their requirements are but it's really exciting looking into 2022 and what kind of demand there is what kind of scope there is for people who want to come and offer some seminars or some rest and relaxation time to their specific coaches or mentees or or um, people that they are educating or working with and supporting yeah uh, just remind us whereabouts is it located the so west Drayton farm is in north nottinghamshire we are directly adjacent to the a1 motorway um between doncaster and newark so we are like a two-hour journey by car north of london and then we are 45 minutes from sheffield 45 minutes from nottingham half an hour from lincoln so we have some fabulous cities quite nearby uh but we are quite centrally located to the UK as I said and from London King's Cross it's only an hour and a half train journey to our nearest mainline station. Fantastic well it sounds like you know obviously it's been a really difficult couple of years with everything that's going on but there's yeah. light at the end of the tunnel and absolutely but it's you know really exciting what we're doing with the retreat and and moving the business forward in a new direction so. Yeah I think that's the thing Michelle and you know um I didn't actually think when we when we went to buy West Raven Farm and negotiated all the private finance to be able to to 
purchase it, you know, and the whole process. We didn't realize what was going to happen, obviously. The idea was to have it financed out really quickly and to have a management agent looking after it. Uh, COVID has necessitated us to self-manage it, to sort out guests and processes. But you know what, like I alluded to earlier, it's the best thing that could have happened because I've learned so much about operating a holiday let or serviced accommodation business. How does it work? What are the differences between people who are staying in an apartment versus groups? Because groups have a lot more quirks to them. Um, you know, so if we had management agents in continuously, we wouldn't have learned this. We wouldn't have got this additional vision either. For I mean, I've been working on the ideas of retreats for over two years but now it's really starting to get legs and it's just exciting um and yeah watch the space we'll see what happens <laughs> when we catch up again but well, it sounds really exciting where um where can people find out more about where you, what you're up to and and uh the websites and things okay so our website is really easy it's west drayton farm all one word .co.uk and on there there is a contact us or a form that you can fill out to get in touch with me or you can also email me at office at westdraytonfarm.co.uk or you can find me on Facebook or LinkedIn there aren't many Anki bells in the world <laughs> so you can find me quite easily on there and connect with me on private message and I can give you my number and we can set up a call or a visit or whatever it is that you'd like to discuss. That's great. Well, we'll put the links to those in the show notes, but thank, thank you so much for sharing your time today and your journey with everybody. It's, thank you. Uh, I always find it inspiring to hear your story. Um, <laughs> oh, thanks, Michelle. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you for having me on and speak to you soon. You're welcome. Right. Well, thanks very much for everyone who's listening and uh, we will see you next time. If you're not yet a subscriber to the magazine, then please click the link in the show notes for your free 30 day trial. See you guys.